Welcome to episode eight of Mirror Finish, the official podcast of Great Lakes Stainless. Uh, today we have uh, Dustin Yapel on. Dustin's kind of a unique guy. He's got, a, as you'll hear, a social work background that's given him some uh, unique perspectives and abilities because his position kind of deals with everybody in the shop. Uh, so um, we talk a lot about about that, um, about um, how social work has kind of affected uh, the rest of his life. Mike, we what else did we talk about? Spirit animals. Spirit animals. Uh, what's the um, PBR? PBR. Yep. Uh, that's yeah. The Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie and his book, Bingo, Saving the World. It's true. <laughs> Not the world, but a small corner okay. of Sun's Bay. All right. Yeah. I'm prone to exaggeration. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. admit. What's the um, What's the Harry Potter Patronus? Uh, the the that's like your spirit animal in the Harry Potter universe. Patronus. I yeah. thought Patronus was the death spell. There's Patronus. No, the... that's uh, Avada. Wait, Avada. Avada Kedavra. That's it. I think something like that. Yeah, we're old. God. We're old, <laughs> and I can just like I get. I just had this visual in my brain of this gauge that says "cool" on it, and watching the <laughs> needle just go like this. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of that, we talked about white Velcro shoes, light colored jeans. Yes, light colored jeans. <laughs> And this week is not hosted with Travis Dalloway. He's out not working with clients. Yes, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. He is down in well, Columbus yesterday. He had texted me about that yeah, crazy good barbecue place. With, uh, he went via Cleveland, yeah. But it's hosted with uh, me, the titular head of the company, and uh, Paul Campana, the face oh, of the company. Yeah, we're so. talk about that. Yeah, so if you, for some reason, if you, <laughs> if you Google Great Lakes Stainless, don't type in the website. But if you just Google Great Lakes Stainless, for some reason, my picture comes up. And I don't know. Uh, I couldn't be prouder of it. <laughs> couldn't be prouder of the face that's representing our company, uh, Paul. So thank you for uh, uh, yeah. offering your visage to Looks like present our side to the world. Looks like they found me under a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, she was great. True, the so. photographer was great. She brought out the best in everyone. If you... Uh, uh, go to the website, navigate to was it Who We Are tab? Yeah, I think we see are, everybody yeah. up there, and that's updated regularly. As we um, we really don't have a whole lot of turnover, but every place does. And yeah, but we're uh, adding employees. Uh, yes, yeah, we are still hiring for sure, as quickly as we can. So go on the website, look under the careers page. Everything that is offered right now is listed. Uh, please check it out. Please apply. We got a real busy summer and fall ahead of us, and so we're going to need. We're going to need those people, good people. So if you feel you're you're good at what you do, you have a great um, uh, work ethic and attitude and outlook, you'll hear about some of that uh, during this podcast. We talked about something we've mentioned before, which is kind of finding your why, uh, realizing your, your passion for what you do. And I think Dustin has some really good insights and perspective on, on that uh, issue specifically. I really like his... Um, daily personal goal which you'll mm-hmm. hear about uh, and I might even try to adopt it myself because it's uh, there's nothing nothing uh, but good to spread a little bit of joy especially in this world today where we've got a lot of conflict and negativity and I think we all need to smile Facebook Instagram find us if you really want to help us out with the podcast please rate and review on whatever platform that you use and you can find us everywhere uh, even the new Google podcast app we were on that the day after Google debuted it so uh, you got no excuse not to find us and listen and enjoy. We'll <laughs> <laughs> haunt you down. Uh, no, we won't. No. So um, here is episode eight of Mirror Finish with 
Dustin Yeeple. Just pretty much a normal mic, so <laughs> this is like run of the mill, I mean, mic. run of the mill, you know, pretty, just pretty, pretty middle of the road. Nothing this special, mic. yeah. <laughs> Some other companies get really high quality Some, mics, but we get just a we average. just get you're right, just average guy, you know, yeah. maybe 52nd percentile, 50 what 52nd percentile, you know, <laughs> just, just, above. Right the middle. just above, just like, above, uh, right? Just in case you have any special classes. Or... <laughs> no, he was asking me, like, you know, because I listen to everything to edit it. It's like, how do you perceive your voice? I mean, it's just like, yeah, I think it's nasally and just weird. And I think everybody goes through that. Oh, yeah. I've they heard they hear it and they're like, no, that's not how I sound. I've, I've heard the exception is like when you're in like a professional recording studio with like $1,000 mics that it really picks up really super accurately. Then it's like, oh, okay, that is kind of what how I hear it. But. I think if you end up in that situation, what really changes is your perception yourself because um, you know your ego gets a boost. That's if you true. have reason to be recorded by yeah. equipment such as that, yeah, it's like I'm like, rich. I don't care how I sound. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm worth that much, I must sound better. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, what do you got going on out there today? Uh-huh. There were five tops that I had to complete today. Almost done with four of them. Have one completely done. I saw them packing up a bunch of those metal panels too, though. They were stacking them up on the oh the, the uh, that, yeah the engraved ones yeah. for the Cavaliers yeah. yeah yeah they're going through after they got uh, dipped, figuring out which makes the grade and which does not. I'm hoping that the uh, when they receive these beautiful panels, it'll kind of lessen the sting of losing uh, the championship. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen. Well, it depends on what, what happens at the end of the day today, because I think their big guy decides whether he's uh, staying or leaving. Oh, that's or right. Leaving. He's a free agent. Oh, really? He can, he can opt out tonight from his contract and be a free agent and go elsewhere. So, it, yeah, it, hopefully it lessens both of those blows. Yeah, I remember when he went to Miami and, like, the whole city of Cleveland, like, crucified him. And was just like, that's it. And people burning jerseys and stuff like that. And the way he came back, he they were like, he's a hero again. I'm like, well, wait a minute. It, I don't know. To me, that's that's kind of what a championship does, though. It changes mm-hmm. your yeah. people's perception of you. It's. I mean, it's. I don't know if I could mentally handle that kind of, you know, up down love hate thing where it's like. I mean, you talked about this before, about how your every single move is under scrutiny, and, and you know, if you make the slightest mistake that everybody that's criticizing you probably makes on a daily basis, then you're just the worst. You're worse than Hitler. And you, should, you know, I don't know. That's oh just, yeah, give me on that social media rant. There's got to be a little bit of narcissism in those you know, people sure. in higher power like that, athletes, uh, actors, actresses. CEOs of huge giant companies. Yes, there's, I there's, do have. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like they're like people within politics. Four windows in this house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's got to be a, a little bit of 
you know, you, you think your poop doesn't stink. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there is. So, uh, anyway, so what, um, what do you do here at GLS, then? I know Mike's got these wicked cool titles for everybody. I'm trying to... I know it's on the, they're all on the website, but I can't remember specifically. Creating, packaging, and receiving lead, I uh, think is what my title is. Okay. okay. That's only a little bit of what I do just about anything and everything. I fill in and help here or there as needed. Make sure that uh, when product gets up to where I'm at, it's ready to get either palleted, boxed up, whatever. I'm the one that makes sure it's protected the best that it can and that everything gets in and on the pallet or in the box and sent out to the customer. For sure. I think, I think you need a new title. I think, I think it should be like Doc Commander. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Doc, Doc, Doc and Dora Commander. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You get stripes or stars on his uh, uh-huh. collars. Yeah. So, uh, and then I, whenever we get product in, I receive it off the trucks and put it away and lots of running around. Guys will come up to me when they need um, purchased items that we did for the jobs or ship to shop items. Uh, they come get me and I show them where it's at and bring it to them and there's yeah, there's a lot. Well, I know that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, you guys are both involved in that ship to shop because we have a kind of an yes. unusual situation where we build a lot of our customers' product into the product they hire us to build. So they'll order tens yeah. of thousands of dollars of equipment uh, for the end user, ship it to our shop, and Paul, you take care of um, the paperwork end. Yeah. Um, so you do all the hard work, and then <laughs> all Dustin yeah. has to do. <laughs> Is unload, physically locate, mm. record the location, then retrieve and bring the material to the site. So nice work on your hard work, Paul. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. yeah, there's tons of space out there to find tons of space. Too. Oh, <laughs> he, he picks one of the empty shelves in our cavernous facility. Yeah. Oh. Um, no, that's getting to be more of a challenge, isn't it? Finding space time. for stuff out there. Big I time. know. And it's what well, super helped me out because it's obviously it's really time consuming. And, um, you know, for a while there, when I was doing both ends of that process, it was, I would just dread it when ship to shop stuff would come in. Oh, it's, yeah, it's not. It, it, so, uh, yeah, I mean, because yeah, you get, I mean, if we have a big serving counter job or one of those food service projects, you get a semi load yeah. of yeah. wooden crates. We, we and do. He's like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Where am I supposed to put this? Yeah, yeah there was a couple of weeks there where I was like, Every time a truck showed up, I'm like, please be taking something because I don't have spots <laughs> yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. Get it out of here. Stop bringing stuff in. Yeah, or, or the real frustrating part is getting the ship-to-shop items for a project that's not being worked on for months oh, out, yeah, months and is. months out, and then that they're is. sitting on floor space. For sure. Now, do you like, I mean, uh, it sounds like it's a lot of, you're not doing one thing for very long. Does that kind of thing appeal to you? Is that uh, just keeping everything fresh? I like being able to do different things. Yeah, uh, it breaks up the monotony that can happen. Yeah, um, there are parts of the of that I do that are more frustrating than others, like creating and finding space for yeah. things. I mean, that's just what it is, though. But I get to I pretty much work with everybody in the shop, so I get to talk and see how everybody's doing and and what projects we're working on. I get to see pretty much every project that goes through the shop, which is really cool, where there's a lot of guys that they just sit in their little spot, work on their stuff, and don't really get to see the whole picture. Yeah. 
Well, I think I think you and Mike and I were briefly talking about this, and we talked about it yesterday. That I think you're uniquely qualified to interact with everybody because of your social work background. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about you know how you got into that and some of the things that you can apply from that to here. Well, when I was in high school, I decided I wanted to be a teacher. Nice. And then that, uh, I decided I'd rather not do that. There's a, well, I thought there was too much, uh, what do they call it, red tape? Black oh, tape, yeah. Whatever, you know, yeah. too, too many guidelines you can't really teach. So I thought, well, all my life, People have come up to me with their problems and talked to me about them. I don't even... It's like I told you yesterday when I was at the gym. Yeah. I was yeah. at the gym. I wanted you to tell that story. That was interesting. I, I'm, I'm a bald, big-bearded dude <laughs> sitting there sweating, working out. There's tons of people at the gym, tons of people this lady could come up and talk to, and she chose me to talk about some issues she was having with her. Her kid got bit by a dog, and what do you do? How do you handle it? This, that, and the other. I talked to her for like a half hour. <laughs> like, oh, wow. These sort of random things happen a lot to me, and it's happened throughout my life. Okay. And I was I was talking to my wife about it, and I told her, I'm like, I still can't tell you why. I can't. I don't know why these things happen, but they yeah. do. That was gonna be my next question. I was like, what do you think it is about yourself? But you know, it's just something. I have no idea. I have I have no idea. Just. I don't know if I just have, I don't know. Just a, some approachable, about me. approachable, you know, atmosphere about you. That... You know, I, my goal, like, I have a personal goal that every day I want to make at least one person laugh. That's oh, like a, cool. a mantra I like that, that I've, I've always had. Because really like you, you never know whether that person, what that person's going through. Yeah. So I've always felt like, well, if I can make at least one person laugh. So I don't know if it's just that. Yeah. You know, having that mindset when I see people, knowing that I just I want to make them smile, yeah, that makes them feel like I'm open and available to talk. I think um, that makes sense. I think yeah, that doesn't happen to me, but I vigorously avoid eye contact with strangers. <laughs> so maybe that's part of it. That could too. Yeah, yeah, that deters. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I'll try it. Walk down the street, stare everybody down in the eye. <laughs> How are you doing today? <laughs> that probably doesn't work either. <laughs> no, I like that personal goal. That's really cool. Yeah, so I I decided to then switch to social work. Part of that, too, was um, Ferris State has a uh, social work program at the university center up here, so I wouldn't have to travel to campus and I could take all the classes up here. So I'm literally an internship away from having that completed um probably will never go back to finish it just yeah. because it's when you say completed you mean a bachelor's a bachelor's okay. degree yeah yeah yep. probably will never go back um there is you, you you can't make a living as a social worker it's it's really really tough it's a really saturated field and i have friends with a masters in social work who make like 14 dollars an hour it's just there's, is it, yeah, it's a tough field. My brother's in social work. There, there's so, there's yeah. little to no money unless you run your own private practice, and it, it's and there could be a million reasons why. I think it's saturated. I, you know, not all insurance companies uh, cover the cost of um, uh, seeing a therapist or a counselor, so it just a tons of 
tons and tons of reasons why it's... And that's just brutally difficult work. It's, yeah. yes. You're on call. You're dealing with people and clients who are at their very worst. Exactly. Sure. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, my sure. brother did it with... Uh, when years, this was years ago with Bethany Christian Services doing okay. foster care work, mm-hmm. and the turnover rate was just atrocious. Oh, you huh. yeah, that's... because the pay is low and the work is. I mean, you're just dealing with people who are either about to or already have uh, lost their kids, oh, like yeah. getting them taken away. So, yeah, so these yeah. are highly emotionally charged, and usually it is for pretty good reason. Yeah. Which means the situation's just terrible. Like, everything's terrible about it. Everything's terrible, other than the fact that you do have the reward of, you know, trying to help some help kids and make it better. But um, uh, that reward, um, it, it appeared yeah. hard to be sustained. Because they would, like, the average tenure was, like, just months. Yeah, caseloads are, wow. are case way, loads way are, yeah. too many. And, and then you, well, I, I think it was, I don't know how long ago, but the state of Michigan got in trouble. Um, really? Yeah, down in the Detroit area, there was a caseworker who had like 400 cases. Whoa! And one of the clients had died due to poor living conditions. Yeah. And uh, she, this this social worker had it documented that she saw this child yeah. monthly, yeah. which was not the case. Oh, man. Because um, that's part of it in, in that aspect. Uh, foster care and dealing with those children you have to some of them can be if it's depending on the intensity of the situation it could be you have to have a face-to-face weekly at the very least monthly and how do you do that along with all the paperwork and everything you know that 400 blows my mind because our daughter actually she works with the homeless now for goodwill Mm -hmm. but her last job which was just few months ago was a child welfare specialist with Catholic Human Services around here. And she said their max caseload number is 15. Yeah. So they, 400 is just like... And it depends on where you live, too. Up here, sure, up sure, here yeah. it's more attainable to be, you know, 15, 20, <coughs> down in a more metropolis area. Yeah. But, yeah, she said the same thing. It was like, obviously, she loved helping kids when she could, but... The the emotional burden of, of that day in and day out, I mean, I don't blame her, you know. She's doing good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, I don't blame you for looking somewhere else. I couldn't handle that. Be, yeah. I'd be done after a few hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's good work that they're doing, but it is difficult, difficult to do. So Yeah, so I ended up taking courses in social work up here. Uh, did some several different internships. Um, I got a job with Lutheran Social Services, where I was. I started out as a program coordinator, was what they called it. it was basically an assistant manager to um, adult an adult foster care home. I was in charge of making sure all the programs for the uh, residents um, were being done, put into place correctly, and that is like physical therapy, occupational therapy. Um, there were some behavioral therapy type stuff too that we did. So I, I did all that and I was on call for years doing that and then I moved to um, a different position where I ran community living supports um, for Lutheran Social Services up here. Um, and what that was is there were developmentally de- disabled adults living out in the 
community on their own, mm-hmm. and they would have staff that I hired and trained come in. Some of them were two hours a day. I happened to have one client that needed 24-hour care. But you would go into their home as opposed to being in an adult foster care home. Okay. You'd go into their own personal home, help right. them with budgeting, um, grocery shopping, making meals, what it looked like to make a menu, um, nice. all these different things like that. So I did that for, I think, three or four years. Once again, on call all the time, yeah. working a ton of hours. Um, I was on salary too, so I'd work like 100 hours and you only get paid for 40. So that was always a lot of fun. Um, and then they eliminated my position. Mm. So I was looking and I said to my wife, I, I can't do the social work thing anymore. I, I need to have a life outside of work. I just can't deal with the on-call yeah. and this, that, and the other. Yeah. I, I need something different. So I saw Great Lakes Stainless was hiring, and it was a, I think, woodworking and install position. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I applied for that, uh, got in, and after I applied, I, you know, I looked at the website and everything, and I saw all the different things that we do here, medicine cabinets, things for universities, whatever, and it's mm-hmm. just like... All right, I can still make a difference in the world without being on the front lines. Oh, okay. So I feel like a lot of the stuff we do does make a difference within you know for people out there. Sure. So that was part of my appeal was I still can feel like I'm doing social work work without oh, doing social work work. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because yeah, I mentioned this before on, on the podcast, but. I'm reading a book that Mike uh, let me borrow called Find Your Why. And it's mm-hmm. really about that. It's like identifying mm-hmm. uh, and kind of verbalizing your passion for what you do. Um, so what do you think, I mean, just to expand on what you said, what do you think it is about the products we make and the services that we provide that allow you to make a positive contribution? You know, like, like obviously, yeah. well, for social work, I mean, the reason is, I would think, pretty clear why someone would do social work. But I, I bet a lot of people that are listening, you know, are thousands and thousands of international listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That just, you know, <laughs> they're waiting by their computer every two weeks to for that download, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. They can't wait. Well, um, <laughs> well, you can look at something we do, like... Uh, serving counters for different universities and you can look at it as simple as well these are just serving counters for college students whatever well at the same time we're providing we're making these counters that are then being used at that university to help with not necessarily educating those people of the future Mm -hmm. but it's a part of their education of the future you know they're going to go through and use our product i love that yeah, yeah, and a yeah. lot of stuff. You know, I mean, the, the concepts that we're putting now is a ton of healthy, you yep. know, healthy food, healthy fuel for those people. So you think about the, uh, you know, the uh, husbands, wives that'll meet, sit in front of that counter, sharing a meal that was served over that. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, and I believe we did. You know, you look at you could look at it more literal. We did a Fair State University job. That was before I got here, but doing that job. Not only did it create healthier, better eating habits for students there, but it also helped create a culinary program down there in oh, which really? they use. So, I mean, it's just, nice. it, it, it goes on and on. And, it, 
you know, things that we provide for, you know, the airport stuff that we do. Sure. I mean, it's people traveling around. It, it could be cargo. It could be people. You never know what's, what's going on. I love that approach because I think, me included today, everybody's gotten so cynical. Mm-hmm. And I think we've forgotten about, you know, well, ultimately this wouldn't happen if this didn't happen. So it's like, you know, you've got a soldier coming back from Afghanistan and, you know, you see the footage and stuff of them meeting their family in the in the airport. And, you know, everybody, obviously it's a really touching moment. It's like, well, if there wasn't these facilities, there wouldn't be that reunion. So I know some people will look at that and be like, it's just a ticket counter. It's a hunk of wood with some fasteners and on and on. It's like, well, yeah, but, you know, what the service that that provides allows for this other event to happen that is really meaningful. So I, lo- I love that approach. Right. Yeah, I mean, in all the medical storage, we, you know, yeah. we, sell, we sell through our dealers, you know. I mean, my family members, we have, you know, one of our dealers put right here in our local hospital has our cabinets in it. Oh, I know that. Nice. Yep. So, you know. I've had family members who've had operations in an OR with our cabinets where the nice. spies come over our cabinets, you know, I mean, the number of lives are saved, people are healed, but they're yeah. using, you know, a small part, uh, nice. our equipment, the, you know, yeah. the OR storage, the stainless cabinets, or the wood ones. So. Yeah, it comes out, you, you got to find pride in your work and pride in what you do, and, you know, and, and looking at it big picture for me and seeing, yeah, it might be, I'm just palletizing something today but that something is going to be used for something else yeah you know it's gonna it's going to better somebody down the line somewhere sure whether it's just the a countertop that goes into a business and it just makes that person who's working there's life easier i mean you're you're still doing something positive i wish more people had that approach and that view of of what they do. And I mean, yeah, there's bad jobs out there, of course, you know. But I think a lot of the jobs that are perceived as, you know, a burden, if those same people just took a different view of it, it would be a lot better. And that's not the only factor. I mean, you, the management has something to do with the working conditions and stuff like that. But there's got to be, I would think, a significant percentage of people out there who dread waking up and going to work mm-hmm. that they'd be a lot happier if they shifted their perspective. Yeah, I think, from my perspective, you know, I would say, if I've got, you know, it's very encouraging to, for me to hear you say that, Dustin, because that's, you know, if people don't have that uh, perspective, I could consider that, you know, as a leader, that's probably 90% my fault. Okay. There's 10% of things that somebody can decide what they want to do, but, you know. Yeah. um, You know, usually I heard that once in one of the seminars or something, you know, if you got a employee with a performance problem, behavior problem, uh, 90% of the time, it's the leader's fault. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. Because he didn't set something. I mean, I can't, you know, once you have that mindset, if I had somebody who's not performing well, I mean, almost tons of examples I can give where I can take a look. You look at these situations and say, why isn't this going well? You'd be like, all right, well, did I set that person up for success? Okay. Yeah. You know, for mm-hmm. my instructions, you know, did they understand the task? Um, and by understand the task, not just what they need to do, but a huge part of that, like the book said, is the why. Why would you need to do? Why does it make a difference? Yeah. Why is mm-hmm. it like when Barb bought the report over this morning? She prints this report, and she's been doing it very faithfully every morning for years. Mm-hmm. And I just made sure I said, hey, this report, Barb, we use it every day. Mm-hmm. Every day we use this to see what we received. Oh, see yeah. See if it's been ordered. The, 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 yeah, the, the producer, yeah. 
So, because I'm sure he's like printing every day and like, is this, uh, yeah. Is this really, am I wasting my mm-hmm. time or not? But like, you know, it's important for people to know, no, you're not wasting it. This is valuable. The, you're yep. providing valuable service that everybody uses. We use it every day we look. Is this received? Is it ordered? When's it due? Yeah. Every day at that meeting, we use that report. So, Well, that's a big reason why I'd spoken before about how I interned at GM. And, um, you know, that's a huge company and you got everything that comes with it. But I just felt lost. You know, and if I would ask anybody, why are we doing this? Nobody could give me an answer. And it's like, well, why am I going to stay at some place where I feel I don't have purpose? It's just, it's asinine. And so, I, obviously, I'm not there. And, I, I, you know, I really don't care if some crazy financial opportunity came up from a company mm-hmm. like that. It's just like, no, you guys don't even know what you do. You can't even tell me why. Why would I, why would I go somewhere like that? I was in high school and I did um, like job shadowing with teachers and there was a first grade teacher that I thought hit the nail on the head as far as being a bo- uh, like a boss or a manager of somebody how you could deal with people and, and um, help them to be successful and it, it sounds silly but when you've like in his classroom if there was a lot of craziness going on instead of pointing out the negative Hey, Johnny's doing this. Hey, Billy's doing that. Stop doing that. It was, hey, so-and-so, I like how you're sitting at your desk nice and quiet. Showing positive, you know, it, just pointing out the positives around. Okay, so slowly, like positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement, okay. and it slowly, everybody would come back in and focus in on what he was talking about. He never got mad. He never got negative about anything. Hmm. It was all positive. And you point out the positive around you. Other people usually will jump on board. And that's what's been nice about here, is there is enough positivity going on. There's always negativity, but there's enough positivity of, hey, you're doing a really good job. Hey, this looks really good. You know, we we talked about these panels uh, earlier. Um, the guy on the, Tim on the CNC who's, who's etching them out. Yeah. I, I tell him every day, man, those look beautiful. Well, like the design just looks uh-huh. awesome, yeah, yeah, really you know. Much. And it, I know he's put a lot of time and effort and energy into it, but mm-hmm. I just make sure to say to him, "Damn, I just gotta say those are awesome." And I know a lot of other people do, and it just turns that maybe negative thought or frustration of, "Oh man, this that's good," because he's got I'm so many of those. Yeah, to keep it up. Yeah. He's getting, he needs a lot <laughs> yeah. of encouragement. Yeah, yeah. go back there. Yeah, he's he like, "Oh." Yeah, he's getting Doesn't frustrated. Just like a hundred of them. I'm like, I know, but they look awesome. Damn, yeah, but he. um I tell him that every day, and he'll he'll start out being kind of negative about oh, yeah. something, and then I'll say, you know, Tim, but they look really good, and I want to say you're doing a great job. And he'll stop, and he'll smile, and he'll say, you know, thanks, I just needed to hear that. Yeah. You know, and it's just little things like that that mm-hmm. people hear, and when they hear it, you know, it, it might take them a little bit for it to sink in, but a lot of times it'll just change that attitude right around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree, because we've had a recent uptick in... Um, wood cabinets from uh, one of my customers and uh, yeah I'll take it back there and and he'll just kind of throw his arms up and I was like hey man a couple months ago you were begging for work and now you got it right <laughs> and, and uh, yeah he kind of did the same thing like yeah no I know it's, it's like no I get it you know it's feast or famine and that's just kind of the nature of the business but uh, mm-hmm. another example of GLS changing the world one job at a time that's yeah. right I wish yeah. I wish uh, my college had had uh, 
Well, actually, we, we uh, quoted, like a couple of years ago, uh, my college, JMU, had, um, they're building a new dining facility. Mm-hmm. And I saw the, the quote or the request or some of the drawings come across Harrison's computer. And I don't, we ended up not getting it, you know, but because uh, I remember uh, our uh, meal of choice was curly fries with nacho cheese on top. Oh. <laughs> that was so good, though. <laughs> oh, they had these, just these garbage burgers, you know, the institutionalized ones yeah. you buy by the truckload. Mm. And, yeah, you put nacho cheese on those, curly fries, more nacho cheese, and, yeah, that's lunch. Oh. <laughs> So and I know by nacho cheese, you mean that unnaturally uh-huh. colored gelatinous substance. Yep. The volcano cheese. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, just with a ladle, you know. <laughs> volcano cheese is good. It does the same thing as eating lava wood to your insides. Just, uh, uh, it does. That was glorious, though. <laughs> oh, I can't stand that stuff. <laughs> we go up to Drummond Island every summer. My wife's sisters and their husbands and all the families. Mm-hmm. We have a volcano cheese challenge. Yeah. We get a big jar from... Gordon's, and you have all weekend to kill it. Oh, God. <laughs> There's no running water up there either, so it's a, a portage on this <laughs> Oh, my God. You guys, you guys, uh, for punishment. Yeah, right. There's layers to the challenge. Oh, yeah, every meal. There's, yeah, there a, is, every there's a challenge meal. on the front end of the back end, yeah, yeah, pun yeah. intended. So. Yeah, no, I don't even know how the challenge started, but it was funny you brought up that cheese. Yeah, every, every summer. Well, you know, like a thousand years from now, archaeologists are going to be picking away and being like, look at this rock. It's, look at the colors. Look at this color. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Wait a minute, I chipped over the coating. It's soft inside. Oh, it's still soft. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. oh. I'd like to be in that room and they actually identify it. Everybody takes a step back from the table. Yeah, um, no, no good. So how do you feel that, that social work background equipped you? We already kind of talked about focusing on the positive. How do you think in other ways that work has equipped you to deal with so many different people in the, like a shop environment? Uh, I, can't, I, think it's Dale, I think it's Dale Carnegie wrote a book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, okay, I think I've heard of that. It's an old book, but it's a really good book. Okay. Um, one of the ways in which I've learned to create a good rapport with those that I work around, I find something that they're passionate about or they like, whether mm-hmm. I like it or not, and I'll talk to them about it. Oh, nice. Hold on, I gotta write this stuff down. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I may have, like, if somebody's really into, um, they maybe they collect guns or something like that. Sure. I have no desire to do that myself, but if I know that that's what they're into, I'll talk to them about it. That's a great idea. You start off with something that they're comfortable with or proud of or have a passion about, and then you can slowly work into the other stuff. Nice. I'm sure that's helped with conflict resolution. Oh, yeah, it's like a that. huge trick of the trade. For social work, <laughs> it, it's big. Right. They, you start off with something like that, you gain their trust, and then, and then you can start yeah. talking. And then, about yeah, it right. And then you can manipulate them from there. No, yeah. that's not where you're going. <laughs> <'Cause> what? No. <laughs> what <are> you <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's been a big thing. Is that I, I I try to figure out each of the guy in the in the shop what they kind of are passionate about, what they might do or, mm-hmm. or not do, or 
you know, if I've heard something's going on in their life one way or another, I might check in. Hey, how's that going? Oh, okay. You know, um, I just find that the two minutes that it takes me to do that makes it where working with them is a lot easier because they, they just feel more comfortable around me. Sure. Do you have any, um, when you were doing um, social work, do you have any clients that kind of stand out that you were able to help and maybe some that you weren't able to help for whatever reason? Um, so I had two that lived in one house. One um, had a lot going on. Um, uh, basically uh, was a 30-something year old man stuck in a toddler's mindset. Okay. Didn't get your way, you throw a fit. Um, this this client um, still to this day blames me for everything. <laughs> it's Dustin's fault. Um, Dustin hit me. I, I never, never like... I gave him hugs, that's all. Sure. Dustin hit me. Nobody's near you. No. <laughs> so, the, a lot of that stuff. Um, he was a really challenging client. Um, he started out in a, at his, his parents' house, and he was too much. And so he went into an adult foster care home where there were six people living there. <coughs> and he was, he was too much there. He'd, he'd attack other clients and, and staff and whatever else. And so we went from... You could call it a behavior, the attacks, whatever. Um, he went from having multiple a day to after I had worked with him for a while to once every two weeks. Oh wow! This significant improvement. Yeah, yeah. We um, there was a a lot of time working with him, um, and and trying to figure out what ways really worked for him mm-hmm. you know they in that field they tried to get away from physical intervention they didn't want they used to call it like you if somebody was hurting themselves or somebody else you'd put them in a basket wrap and a basket wrap was basically you hold their arms back against their chest so that they can't flail that way okay and then you kind of put your legs around their legs so they can't kick well, so you're, you're restraining them yeah well they wanted to go completely away from that totally understandable um, but what we found is you have to find what works for the client mm-hmm. and so he would need a hug we call it a bear hug from time to time and it just was like the out of body experience he needed to be brought, brought back in and through touch through a hug okay. um, that would help bring the world back to normal so he was one um, and then another I had um much more uh, his disabilities were more physical and then he also struggled with some mental illness and um, he actually he he tried suicide twice while I had him mm-hmm. but um, he no longer is in the adult foster well in the community living supports he got married I went to his wedding, and he, he, he has a, a young son, um, and I, I hear from him every once in a while, and he's doing really well. He's working. His wife's working, and things are going really well for him. Nice. So, it, you know, those were two that really, like, they were in the later parts of that time of my life working in that field, but those two really, like, had an impact 
on me, sure. and I felt like I had a positive impact on them. Um, but that's always weird, hard, uh, the one that got married and everything, when that person's old enough to be your dad, and you're trying to, like, um, tell them. So that, that dynamic, yeah, it's got to be, you probably, just because of the, the age difference, you probably go into it with this kind of, I don't want to use the word prejudice, but it's this preconceived notion of of how the dynamic is going to be because we're all just trained that, you know, well, the older is in charge or whatever. And yeah. That's, that's interesting to have to flip that. Yeah, it it never really got bad that way. Okay. Um, I, I never really would let it go that way where he right. could bring that up. Sure. Um, but, it, 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 you know, I'd get done in this situation and I'd be driving home and I'm like, man, I just talked to a grown man you know, what society says should yeah be better than I am right yeah. now. Um, how how to you know? Hey, wake up. Mm-hmm. Everything's good. Because I I often wonder, you know, what it's like for you know some people like even here who are close to retirement age. You know, like Mike, you're probably the same age as some of their sons. So it's like psychologically, how does that work? And I it's probably just me because I've never had a boss younger than me I'm sure it's probably one of those things where I'm like I'm just wondering and the people that are in that position are just like what are you talking about boss is a boss who cares you know but I'm just yeah. curious no I had that I was thinking about that when you talked about because uh, in my first job at the appraisal company when I came in I was man what was I right out of college 22 okay. 23 mm-hmm. and I was working with the appraisers and then within a year or two you know I was definitely on the appraisal track so then the support staff would support the appraisers mm-hmm. well that was i mean i really had a hard time with that like mm-hmm. I, you know asking the support staff all of which were minimum of 10 to 15 years older than me well, so it's not just me that's no <laughs> that's... i was like i just felt but you know that's their that's that's, that's their job. job if you don't ask them to do it they're happy to do it that's you know they mm-hmm. that's what they felt good about doing if i didn't ask them to do it they're like well what am i here for yeah then? sure you know and uh yeah, I definitely had to, I'm much more comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, certainly there's, you know, yeah, people out there, uh, you know, that, that we work with that are uh, significantly older than I am. But I think with those roles, some of that, I mean, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with that. I don't, I don't have those, um, you know, those feelings anymore, which we might need to reference back to the narcissistic comments about corporate, like, I'm the boss. corporate, corporate behemoths, but uh, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's because you develop a trust that, okay, I, I am, despite my age, hopefully I am, I am, I have, and they trust that I'm can continue to perform that role in the company. Yeah, competent. You know, position, competently, yeah. um, you know, for the good of, of everyone. And once you, and that doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, it certainly didn't here. Took a lot of time and a lot of work to establish that. But at this point, um, I hope, I certainly feel in my interactions with everyone that that's kind of a, a stage we've gotten to where, you know, they're they're fine with it. They trust them. They've, we've had enough personal discussions and involvement and decisions where, you know, I truly value their opinion and their experience and will ask their opinion and, um, you know, only in the you know, questionable situation, do I, I'll just make a call right or wrong, you yeah. know, based on the information, but usually, it, you know, I try, and this is something I'm really trying to train myself to do even more, is I'm trying to get, you know, not make any decisions, and 
So that's that's why. I'm sure you've experienced that, Paul. What do you think we should do? <laughs> I mean, I... Because you know what to do. I mean, you've got good judgment. Right. And so in, in, if I just answer that question, then you can just ask. You don't even have to. You just ask me. And go, well, I'll let Mike decide. I'll let Mike decide. Well, I, th- I think specifically talking about that, it's not... Well, some people may view it, view it as avoiding um, making a decision on your part. I would disagree and say that it's... Um, kind of training the person to have confidence in their own judgment and abilities. You know, like when you turn up, if I say, you know, well, someone's asking for this, and what do you think? And you say, well, what do you think? And honestly, I'm probably more familiar with the situation because I'm the main contact with that customer. And so you would have to ask me question on question to get informed about the situation enough to make the decision. Part of my job is to as the main customer contact, is to make calls like that. I mean, if you... Yeah, and the majority you know, of them that you and you know some of the other project managers ask me, I mean, I'm, and this is something that for years I... Because I don't have a problem making a decision. I'll look at it and I, yeah. you know, I can make the decision. Some of them have some import to them. I mean, the decision one way or another can cost us thousands of dollars. Yeah, so I'm big and stuff so, like that. But definitely. even on... I mean, at this point, the company really, you know, some of those... I mean, you got to let people make that decision they yeah. can, if I have the right people in those positions and I do have the right people in all those positions they can make those calls will they always be the right one no um, if it's a few thousand dollars in, in certain cases you know that decision yeah that's a mistake we can afford you know I mean, if it's mm-hmm. like a six figure mistake no, that, no. somebody mm-hmm. that that no that's something you probably okay, but I also have people with good enough judgment to understand like gravity of the situation when to you know yeah uh, bring other necks into the noose, shall we say. As, <laughs> yeah. As, uh, as Harry said, you know, the noose is never as tight on multiple necks than it is on just one of them. So. Well, I, you know, I can give you guys a perspective from being out there and seeing uh, you or Dan come out. Is, um, we n- nobody out there feels like they're being micromanaged. They feel like they can do their job. Oh, good. And that's huge. Because I've worked in places yeah. where, oh, boss is here. Me too. Oh crap! They're gonna tell me what to do, how to do it, where to do it. What you know, like completely feels like they don't have any trust in you. Yeah. Whereas here, you guys go out, you you check in. Hey, how's this going? We want to see what's going on there, and that's huge for everybody back there. Good. And the you know the the communication. I've worked on projects where there is, well, we got to make a call, and you guys definitely take everybody's voice into consideration. So it, it, everybody feels like they have a role, and that they've worked towards result, you know, resolving whatever the situation is, and it's just because there is that open communication. Yeah, I do. I do think we had that. But five or six years ago, I, I stepped. It certainly has been a journey because, um, you know, for a while before Dan got here, when I was running the shop, so this is one of several examples I can give you. When I turned over a job mm-hmm. I was doing that I thought at some sort of confident level to someone else, I realized what a terrible job I was actually doing. <laughs> so I was running the shop, and at one point we literally told everybody, I mean, we just, I mean, our explicit instructions um, weren't not to think, but it was don't work on anything until we tell you to. Mm. And that's when Dan came in and, like, structured it and put the flags in place, which are great, so you can self-schedule your work, yeah. which mm-hmm. is good. But, um, you know, I kept myself very busy, very busy running around the shop, like chicken with my head cough, making sure everybody's working on what do you need to work on next, yeah. uh, and stuff like that. And so that was, you know, um, I still think we had some of that communication, but still that was more, that was less of a, you know, okay, got to wait. And, the, you know, really disempowered 
mm-hmm. people out there. I mean, yeah. it was not a it was not a wise move. Not a not a way I recommend. There's way better ways to set it up. Which <laughs> as soon as Dan came in, immediately he was like, "Well, this is ridiculous." <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to work that hard. That's yeah. stupid. Plus, it's just. I mean, it's for so many layered reasons. It was not a good, not a good practice. So, I mean, yeah, life is. Things are an arc like that. You can't make those changes um, well, overnight. It's, but. Well, it's like you were saying. You, some of the the decisions that maybe you would normally make that you leave to others is sometimes you have. Unfortunately, you have to make a mistake to learn from it, to grow from it. Yeah. To, to learn from failure, not from success. Sure. You know, it's going to take a trip up. You know, and and so it, having the confidence that you have the staff here that can learn from those mistakes and not be the huge mistakes, but little ones, is huge too. Because it, it it makes people feel like they can do their job, and they're not being oh, there's an eye in the sky, making sure I'm doing this right, that right, whatever else. Yeah, for sure. Now you mentioned um, the the being on call all the time and just the, the crazy amount of hours you were working a week. Now that now that you on a much more regular schedule, what do you what do you do with your time? Like, what do you like to? I know oh, man. You, you mentioned. Uh, um, I, <laughs> what do I do with my free time? Well, I have three stepkids that are almost 17, 15, and fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I spend a lot of time on the road. At sporting events, <laughs> <laughs> taking them to and from work. Um, one of the things that my wife and I have done for ourselves is I I go to the gym three or four times a week. Okay, uh, that's become something that we do. It, like, it's helped us to have an outlet. Ah, that's um, important. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I had it told to me by, actually it was a neighbor at a baseball game. When kids are little, you have to physically be there for them. Make sure they're not, like, touching the stove and things like that. When they're teenagers, they need you there emotionally. And that is so much more difficult. <laughs> so we need to have a, we've realized, my wife and I, we need to have some sort of place where we can just let it go. Sure. Um and, and going to the gym is probably, it sounds silly, but we go to the gym three or four times a week no, to, 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 to get it out, Great or we'll go on really long walks. You, we'll, we started out, um, we could only do like a mile, now my wife does like nine or ten mile walks. Holy cow. Oh, wow. Awesome. Gets up and just goes. Goes and goes and goes. Are you going to the fridge? <laughs> yeah, that's how it started though too. Yeah, getting winded, and now we do these these big walks out in Leelanau County there, nice. and uh, hilly hilly roads. And we will say to each other, "You remember when we started? We could only make it a half mile, and we were winded up the first hill. Okay. Now it's like mile seven, and you're finally like, okay, I need to get back.' Yeah. So that's awesome. yeah, we do. So we do a lot of that. We do a lot of outdoor stuff. You said walking or hiking. You're walking, hiking. Um, my wife's a big fan of going to the beach i'm right. not quite there yet sure. but i tag along um you might change your mind this coming week yeah oh we're going out on a boat tomorrow so Ooh. it's gonna be too hot to, yeah. to not be doing anything i'm gonna go to a, a funeral in an unconditioned church in grand rapids on oh, air conditioned church oh. 
That's rough. Yeah, been like it was just here joking with me yesterday. He's like, hey, it probably won't be air conditioning if you dry cleaner going like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, no, that's rough. Preacher's saying, well, for just one more donation, we can probably cool this place now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's funny. I'm sure it's air conditioned. Mandy tells me like that last night. She says, no, it's not air conditioned. I'm oh. like, Every How 20, are we going to do this? Yeah. Every 20, you drop in the plate. I'll put that thermostat down one more degree. Right. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I are kind of foodies a little bit. Sure. We, Good area for it. Yeah, great area for it. So we go and we, we do that and um, go to the different breweries <coughs> in the area. Sure. Yeah, it was like two years ago. I didn't drink beer at all. Really? And yeah, not at all. And so then my brother-in-law passed me a, a PBR. That's what got you That's into beer was the PBR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I, I used to just drink ciders and stuff. Um, and no, so, we're not sponsored yet by PBR. <laughs> no, but, no. Uh, right. No, we uh, we figured one blue ribbon company should yeah. sponsor another. Oh, so. yeah. well done. There we go. No, well, and we're really lucky. Uh, Hoplot Brewing oh, Company, Sutton's Bay, is like. Seven minutes away from my house. Oh, oh yeah, we, so, I ran into you there yeah. the other night. That's yeah. the first time I was there. Yeah, that yeah. place is cool, man. Pretty good. Really cool. Yeah. yeah, I've never been there. I don't think I've ever had any other beers. They um, yeah, beers are good, but this is really cool outdoor setting. Oh yeah, there are okay. two brothers that lived. I think they grew up in Holland, then they lived in Chicago. The one who makes the beer got married up here in Northport. Okay, and had made his own beer for the wedding, and some. An anonymous person said, "Here's some money." Whoa! They didn't want to be a partner, nothing. Just said, "Do it." There you go. And so the the really cool thing that, like, I noticed with them and why I keep going back to them is they have tried to keep everything as local as possible. Mm, Okay. The chips they use, Great Lakes Potato Chips Company, the hops and everything else, all local stuff. Yeah, I see hops farms popping up everywhere. Yeah, it's not cheap getting in hops farms. I've heard that it's like an eight or nine year, yeah, uh, ROI. You know, before you oh, start yeah. making any money, it's like thirty thousand dollars on an acre. One acre oh costs God. thirty thousand dollars for startup. Wow, that's nuts. There's a huge one in Williamsburg. That's like four hundred. Yeah, it used to be a golf course. 70, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a crazy amount of almost five hundred acres out there. Thirty thousand dollars an acre. It's not I can cheap. Do, I can do a tenth of an acre right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's insane. All the posts and everything else you got to put. It's it's nuts, and it takes a while. Yeah. So it and it takes a lot of hops to make a beer. Oh, I have no idea. Okay. Only reason I know I have a brother-in-law that works for Shorts and he's a brewer. Oh, nice. So what's your go-to brewery up here then? Hoplot. It's Hoplot. Okay. Lake Ann's a close second. Mm-hmm. That one's really nice too. I haven't been there. I've also heard yeah, Lake Ann's got a little, uh, a little pizza shop for wood oven in there. Mm. I've heard that's pretty good. Yeah, it's you go. You would never think that Lake Ann would be hopping on a Friday or Saturday night. <laughs> no, it is now. No, yeah, because my uh, my ex wife's family is from Lake Ann, so I spent quite a bit of time there. Yeah, you would never think that that's <laughs> yeah. Like, no, they it's just yeah. a sleepy little town. I mean, little. Yep. One intersection, couple uh-huh. couple of party stores, and. So, yeah, that's like Bel Air is a little bit bigger, but Shorts has made a pretty big difference in that community. I'll tell you that. I've heard they're yeah. always hopping up there. Yeah, that brewery, they've added on and added on to, to the actual bar out in uh, Bel Air. Yeah. My brother in law works in Elk Rapids where they make it. 
and they now do, I think in the sun, I don't know when they started, but it's throughout the summer and fall, you can get beer out in Elk Rapids, and then they have food trucks. So ah. you don't have to go all the way to Bel Air. Nice. But you mentioned the filling station, too. They got, yeah, yeah. They got good pizza. Yeah, they do. It's good stuff out there. Big fan of their pizza. And it's pretty reasonably priced for what sure. it is. Yeah, for being in town. Mm-hmm. Are they still down by the library? Or oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in that uh, you know, the old train, train station. station. Yeah, yeah, it's really yep. cool. We yep. went there the other night and sat out underneath the uh, the big, uh, you know, like wherever it is with the trains. All the tracks are still there. And, you oh, know, that's cool. You're looking out over Boardman Lake. And yeah. It's really, I mean, all the old, you know, the old trusses that held oh, everything yeah. up is all still original there you are sitting underneath that that's cool. they, they, the other cool thing was that they have big uh it's kind of communal tables I and mean, the tables are really big oh I so unless you're eating yeah. with 15 or 20 people you're gonna be okay. sharing a table with somebody that's cool yeah it was really cool we had some uh you know some other people uh sitting next to us right and it was you know in our society it's not yeah i mean you know i'm sitting like it's like yeah it's right next to it like you know it's close as i'm sitting to my wife i'm sitting yeah. next to this guy yep, and yep. and their group and the, um you know, they're all uh, speaking Indian or something like that, which is really uh, cool for my kids. Sure. And, like, so when we sat down, I was like, oh, this is kind of uncomfortable. It was immediately comfortable. We're sitting there and, yeah. you know, we're trying to order pizzas and we're looking over. We're like, that one looks really good. What is it? And they're like, oh, that's this one. And we're like, okay, thanks. Yeah. And that was it. We turned and we had our own conversation. Maybe it was easier because we couldn't understand anything they said. <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I really don't think so. I think it was just, but that, it was kind of cool part of the experience, you know. Yeah. For us. Well, and, and that's what we really like about Hoplop is, like, you could go and bring your kids, and your kids can kind of go and run wild, and it's okay. cool. Like, they, it's outdoors. They have cornhole and whatever else. And the kids just, I, I, I don't know how many times we go with friends who have younger kids, and the kids just run around and play, and yeah. nobody cares. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. it's really, it's really nice. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. I mean, because we we have six and a half year old twins, and so we're always kind of looking for a spot where that's fine, <laughs> because you know they and they do they do really well in restaurants. We've had a few compliments like you guys, kids are real well behaved, and it's like thanks because we put a lot of effort into yeah, yeah. into that because it's hard for a six and a half year old to sit for an hour, hour and a half in a chair or a booth and not you know, get antsy or anxious, and so it's, it's nice to hear that there's places out there like that that we oh, can yeah. take them and they can well, and, and That's uh, one of the things that the guys at Hoplot, Drew and his brother Steve, have said they wanted family-friendly. Nice. You know, and I, everybody in the shop knows and gives me a hard time, but I go there on Thursdays in the wintertime and play bingo. <laughs> <laughs> they do bingo on Thursday nights, and you get free swag. All right, bring you, it you back. Win yeah. Free swag. Sunday so, afternoon shuffleboard. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, th- Thursday nights. It's a good, usually a pretty good date night for my wife and I. We go there. There you it, go. We play bingo every every white, Thursday night. Your white Velcro shoes and light yeah, light yeah. blue jeans. It's actually pretty. There's an oh, older gentleman <laughs> there. Perfect. Yeah, he older guy goes in. He's in a wheelchair. I. I He's had to have had a couple strokes. He just, okay. like, can't really talk and communicate. Mm-hmm. But he goes bingo every single Thursday. Cool. They save him a table. Nice. And so there's Ooh. been a couple times I've gone, but this last bingo happened to be his birthday. Okay. And so they brought cake for everybody. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, uh, that's fun. The, 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 the family. Yeah. So there's been a lot of times where I've showed up, you know, in the wintertime, and you can only be inside. Well, they open the outside, but most people want to be in. Sure. And... Big old cakes and people, everybody in the there you go. 
singing happy birthday and they're passing it out and stuff. And you know you've arrived when you got your own bingo table. Oh right. Yes. Yeah, you know, yes. it's like good fellas go to the restaurant. Oh, they're good. Leg- tables always saved. They're legit. They bring uh, they bring the daubers. That yeah. You can do. Yeah, they got a big old basket. They bring and pass around to everybody, so you nice. have your own dauber. Yeah, it was. They had started doing euchre on Thursdays oh, and it didn't bingo. take off. Really? So they Around were like, here, I'm shocked. They were like, let's let's do bingo. Okay. I, I guess them being from Chicago, they said that uh, down there, Thursday is kind of the new Friday for locals, oh. and so they wanted to create something in the wintertime for locals that was fun, that could kind of get them excited for the upcoming weekend, and they they did bingo and they, yeah. well, this is the third, and the fall will be the fourth year now. And they never thought. He, bingo starts at 7. If you want a table, you have to get there at 5.30. Holy cow. Usually Euchre's a slam dunk around here, but no. yeah, whatever works. Bingo did it. Yeah. <laughs> bingo did it. <laughs> bingo saved oh, the day. Oh, man. Yeah. Never yeah. thought I'd say that. So. Thursday is now mm-hmm. their busiest night in cool. the wintertime. Hey, you still go to works. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, man. Um, kind of as we're wrapping up here, uh, I think... Uh, your social work background kind of gives you a really unique perspective and abilities to uh, handle all different kinds of personalities and everything. Is there something like if there's if there's one like uh, lesson, like life lesson, you could distill your experiences down to? Uh, what what would it be? Just to kind of give people listening something to like a take home. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Or you could, or you could tell us your spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, spirit animal is a gorilla. <laughs> but no, uh, uh, people just uh, patience. Sure. You know, just life. Life's too short to get caught up in a lot of little petty stuff. Okay. And so, if you learn to just kind of let stuff go, pick your battles. Kind yeah. Of okay. And and just. You know, like like I said at the beginning or towards the beginning, you know, I I want to make somebody smile or laugh a day. Yeah, that, like really, that's, that's really my like big that. thing. And so, if you go into it wanting to be positive and seeing people where they're at and finding something they're passionate about, yeah, and start with that, then you can start the basis of a good, you know, whether it's a a, a friendship, a working relationship. Uh, you know, even if you're looking for a significant other, it, it, if you start with that, it gives you something to build off of. Nice. That's a great way to end. I love it. So thanks for listening. Uh, please find us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, don't forget the, the mothership, www.greatlakestainless.com. Uh, thanks to Dustin Yapel for sitting down with us this week. And we'll see you next time. Cool, man. That was awesome. All right. That was a good one. Yeah, thanks. Thank great. you. I wonder if people like to talk to you. You're just easy to talk to, Dustin. I, so, I, I don't know what that is. I, I, yeah, I right? asked my wife. I was thinking, man, I should maybe fire myself from this position. <laughs> Dustin, would you like to be one of the new three hosts? Heck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I was talking to my wife about it last night. I'm like, okay, what is it? What is it? Like, she's like, I don't know. Those strange things happen to you all the time. <laughs> like, she'll be with me. I just don't know what those people see in you. I, like, because I, I, I don't, don't get it. Yeah. I, it's always been that way. You know, people just want to tell me their stuff, and it's like, I guess I'll listen to your stuff. Sure. Yes. <laughs>
Uh, all right. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. Yep.